Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. talk to you this morning. I I did the Lord's Prayer uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to say a few more things about prayer because nothing is more important. The little boy, uh, parent told me about his little kid that was saying his nightly prayers, and he said, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If, uh, if, If he hollers, let him go any, many, mighty, mo. But I love what kids, you know, they can say some of the, the funniest things. A Sunday school teacher said to a little boy, do you pray every night? And he said, yes, I do. Do you pray every morning? He said, no, I ain't scared in the mornings. <laughs> so uh, some people are like that about prayers. But, you know, I, I'm sure you remember this. Uh, we all remember 9-11 and we remember those airplanes going in the towers, and we remember Flight 93, that 757, and Todd Beamer uh, on that plane. And interestingly, you know, in the providence of God, Todd and his wife Lisa had been studying the Lord's Prayer in a small group. And is that, is, is before he took control of that airplane, and those guys actually took control of that airplane, remember, uh, it was to fly into the, to the Capitol or the White House. And they literally took over that 757. Remember those words, let's roll. But before he did that, he led the entire plane in saying the Lord's Prayer together. There's nothing more important than going to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Not just when you're in trouble, but all the time. Here's a simple question. Which is more important to you? Your outer life are your inner life. The interior of your life are the exterior of your life. Now, we, we take care of the exterior, don't we? I mean, we're all working on the exterior and, and uh, I don't know how many products you have at your house, but uh, we all try to take care of the exterior. But, but what about the interior? Which is more important? And, and I think everybody in this room knows the answer to that. We, we know the Baptist answer. Uh, we know the, the Baptist talking points, uh, that, that it's the internal life, the interior of our life that's most important. But it's one thing to say that, and it's another thing entirely to live it out. Because if we're not careful, everything else is about the exterior of our lives. Think about last week. When you had a decision to make, did you first talk to somebody about it or, or did you try to find information? Uh, did you read a book? What did, what, or did you go to, to the Lord first? Did you consult his word first? If you had a problem in your life this week, what was the first thing that you did? Did you get depressed? Did you, did you just take that problem and just regurgitate it just over in your mind, over and over and over? Did you talk to people about it? Or was it the first thing that you did, you took it to the Lord? What about a relationship issue? 
something happened between you and someone and there's some bad feelings and what, what did you do first? Did you tell your mate about it or did you tell your close friend about it or did you just run it over in your mind over and over or did you first go to the Lord with it? See, it's one thing to say the interior of our life is more important. But I'm afraid many times, including this pastor, we work on it first ourselves. And then finally we get to the Lord. The natural person wants to be independent, that natural side of us, that exterior. But the interior of our life wants to be dependent upon God. And as you look over last, as you think about last week, just the question, when anything happened in your life, was prayer your first choice? Or was it the last resort? Did you go first to God or did you go last to God? Here's a beautiful definition of prayer. It's inviting God into your situation. Inviting God into my situation. Whatever situation that is. Whatever is going on. Whatever has you concerned. Prayer is inviting God into our situations. And the greatest, one of the greatest truths that you can ever get cemented in your mind is that God works from the inside out, not from the outside in. And because of that, the biggest mistake that you and I make as Christians is we give far too much attention to the exterior and far too little attention to the interior of our lives. And listen to this. Every good thing, every eternal thing that happens in your life will come out of your interior life, your relationship to the Lord. And because of that, nothing is more important. So we make a huge mistake when we neglect the inner, the interior of our life. And not, uh, because you see, it's, the, it's from the interior of our life that, that we find contentment, we find happiness, we find victory, we find fulfillment. All of those things that we want, they don't come from the exterior of our lives. How many of you know the things the world just don't satisfy? They fool us, they deceive us. But those things that are really significant and our contentment, our, our happiness, it comes from the interior of our life. And it's from the interior of our life that we get wisdom, that we, have, that we get discernment. How often do you pray? I pray every day for wisdom and discernment that can only come from my interior life, from the God within me. Because you see, I need his wisdom. I need his discernment because I can't, I can't know what to do in so many situations unless he helps me. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work inside us in the interior of our lives. Now let me ask you this. 
what happens when we neglect the interior of our life? Well, our relationship with Christ deteriorates. Relationship with Christ is something that's to be every day of your life. But if we forget the interior of our life, that relationship begins to deteriorate. Pride begins to dominate our thinking. Selfishness begins to dominate our actions. And the only thing we're doing is we're neglecting the interior and we're focusing on the exterior of our life. We tend to become materialistic. The things of this world mean so much more to us because we're thinking externally and we're ignoring the interior of our lives. We're not grateful like we ought to be. We tend to conform to the outer world instead of the inner world. And you know the reason we crash and burn and most Christians do that from time to time? The reason we go down, the reason we lose the battle is because we keep going on, going through the motions, doing our thing and neglecting the interior of our lives. Neglecting that time with the Lord. Running on empty. Romans 12, one says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable to him. Don't let the world around you Don't let the external world and all of its pressures, all of its temptations, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Rather, let God remold your minds, how? From the interior of your life. Don't think like the world. Don't think like your neighbors. Let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. It meets all God's demands and moves forward toward the goal of true maturity. That's the Phillips translation, but a beautiful translation. My favorite translation of that that verse Just that sentence, don't let the world, your outer life, the external world, squeeze you into its own mold, but let God transform you from within. Live from your interior life. What comes to your mind when you think about prayer? That will give you a hint. Is it I hate to? Because maybe you're angry with God about something? Are you afraid to? There's something going on in your life and you're afraid God may not hear you or you you don't feel worthy to pray or you feel distant from God or you might think, I want to, but there's some kind of barrier there that is hindering you from God. Or you may say, "I I plan to, but I just get busy. I become preoccupied. I have so many things going. The exterior world is controlling you. Or when you think of prayer, do you say, the most important thing in my life is prayer. I love to pray. It's a blessing and a joy to pray. You know how runners uh, get uh, what's called a runner's high? 
uh, and some people who do exercise, you know, they, 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 they just get this high and that's, that's why they do it. They, they run just miles and miles and miles or exercise hours and hours. Uh, you know, I've worked at that off and on for 50 years. I've never reached that point. I still don't like any of it. But I believe these people who, who do all this running because there's some kind of, must be some kind of runner's high. Well, I think that when you really, when you really expose the entire of your life to God on a consistent basis, and you're living your life from the interior, not based on the exterior of your life, I believe that produces a spiritual high that's unparalleled in life. Now, uh, I, I want to take a side road that I've not taken in talking about prayer before because I, I want to talk to you about what I believe is the biggest hindrance to prayer for many, many people. Maybe it's not to you, but you know someone that's struggling at this point. And that is that many people see God somehow through the lens of their earthly father. Because God is called father. He's called father over and over and over. He's our heavenly father. But for a lot of people, every time the word father is mentioned, the, the stomach begins to turn and feelings begin to come to the surface. The emotions are stirred up. And when you hear the word father, it's not joy that you think about. It's not wonderful, positive feelings, but it's the opposite from that. You feel pain. You may feel hurt. You may feel rejection. You may feel distrust. And so you, you're looking at God through the, the lens of your experience with your father. It could be the, that you were physically abused are sexually abused, are, are both. And, and because of that, you feel guilt even though it was not your fault. And you feel anger that what happened to you has tainted and messed up every relationship that you've ever had. It may be that your father had an affair and then divorced your mom and then abandoned you. And when you hear the word father, those emotions come to the surface. The hurt is felt again. It may be that your father was an alcoholic or drug addict. And because of that, you have a heart full of hurt of all kinds. And you have emotional scars. And when you hear the word father, it's difficult for you. And it may be because of your life story, because of what's happened to you, and we all have a story. But because of what has happened to you, you feel forgotten by God. Where was God when this happened to me? Why didn't God stop and prevent what happened to me? Or maybe you feel unloved by God, that he would let this happen in your life. Or maybe that, that you know that he loves other people, but because of your life story, you feel he doesn't love you as much as he loves other people. And see, when you think like that, you are looking at 
God at your heavenly father through the lens of your own father. Now, I've got good news for you. You have a perfect heavenly father who loves you unconditionally. He loves you unconditionally just like you are. Now, he, he loves you too much to let you stay like you are, but he loves you as you are. And I promise, listen to me, I promise that you have never done anything and no one has ever done anything to you that has caused God to love you any less. God loves you right now, every one of you in this room, with a perfect love. On a scale of one to 10, God loves every one of you 10 plus. Now, that ought to make you feel good. God created the universe who knows everything about you and everything that's gone wrong in your life and every problem and every hurt and every time you've let him down and yet he loves you with a perfect love, a love that will sustain you throughout your entire life. God loves you. Maybe we just need to say that to ourselves. God loves me. Let's say it. God loves me. Why don't you turn the person right beside you and say, God loves you. God's love. There is nothing any greater. That's where we get our security. That's where we get our significance. That's our hope. That's our future. And on the authority of God and, and the authority of God's word, I guarantee you that God will never molest you. He will never lie to you. He will never betray you. He will never beat you. He will never ignore you. He will never abandon you. He will never, ever desert you. He will always love you. He will always be there for you. You see, the problem is not that God hasn't been there. It's if you're thinking externally, you don't realize that he is there. But he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Here's what I want you to get through your minds. When you think of God, he is not your earthly father. Not at all. He is perfect in all his ways and all things and in all circumstances. He is faithful. He is good. He always has your best interest in his heart. Always. He's bigger than any need that you could ever have. He will always be real to you. Loving, faithful, trustworthy, patient, kind long-suffering, gracious, and on and on and on. I believe the one, you know, this thing of marriage, I believe that the greatest thing that could happen to marriages is to begin to live your life from the interior instead of the exterior. And to work on your relationship with God. And then with God's help, work on that marriage relationship. And the best thing that you can ever do for your marriage is to pray. And the best thing you could ever do inside your marriage is to pray with your mate. There's something about prayer is intimate. It's intimacy. When we pray, we have intimacy with God. And when you pray with your mate, 
There is that intimacy. Prayer enhances the marriage. And it would, it would scare me if I probably knew how many couples actually pray together in this room. I've preached revival meetings where a pastor's wife came to me after the service and said, you know, my, my husband is a great pastor, but he's never prayed with me. We've never prayed together one time. Don't miss the value of prayer in your marriage. Now, God has promised to meet your needs. So don't think of God as a, but don't think of God as a grandfather, a doting grandfather. I mean, forget that picture of your own father that's let you down and let God be God. But on the extreme, the other extreme of that, don't see God as a doting grandfather who will give you anything that you want. Like I heard one kid say to one of my grandkids, I hear your dog doc will give you anything you want. And basically, I felt a little guilty at that point. But you see, God says, I will meet your needs, not your greeds. And a lot of things that we want, God knows, are not, they're not best for us. And God wants what's best for us. God, God loves with perfect love. And perfect love has to say no to selfishness every time. And we're selfish people. Little boy had some puppies and he needed some money. And he, he prayed to God and he said, God, I want you to help me sell these puppies and I got to have a lot of money for them. I want $10,000 for them. And his daddy heard the prayer. And his daddy said, son, son, you don't talk to God like that. I mean, the, nobody's going to give you $10,000 for those puppies. That evening, his dad came in and the boy said, I sold my puppies. He said, you did? How much did you get? He said, $10,000. He said, nobody gave you $10,000 for those puppies. He said, well, the guy traded me two $5,000 cats. Well, God won't always do what we ask him to do. Basically, the Bible tells us there are three qualifiers for all prayers. The will of God, the name of Jesus, the glory of God. Answered prayers fit into those categories. That qualifies prayer. Somebody would say this, why would God answer my prayers? Because I've made so many mistakes. I've let him down so many times. I've made so many wrong choices. So why would God answer my prayers? Because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for God to hear me and answer my prayers. Listen, your value, your worth comes from God. The wonderful thing is that Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died on a cross to pay for your sins. And they, they placed him in a grave and three days later he came out of that grave, resurrected from the grave. What that means is prayer, we have access to God. We can go to God in prayer because of the cross and the resurrection. Heaven opened up for us because of God's love for us. Because of what Jesus did. That's what opened up heaven. 
You see, listen to me. Understand this. Had Jesus not come, had he not taken your place and my place on a cross, we couldn't pray to God in heaven and ask him for anything. We wouldn't be worthy to come into his presence. If we opened our mouth, he could kill us on the spot. Because sin cannot be in the presence of God. We could never, ever be in God's presence except God's love sent Jesus into the world and he died in our place and he was resurrected and literally opened up the heavens. Remember in the temple when the veil was rent? You know, you, you know the, the average person couldn't get into the, to the altar in the presence of God, only the high priest once a year. But when Jesus died on that cross and it's finished, that veil was torn in two and so that you and I could go into the presence of holy God. What a privilege. Prayer is the highest privilege we have. And it's available to every, every one of us through Jesus Christ. The cross settled your worth your value. And so that means any one of you can come to Jesus just as quickly and just as easily as I can, Cecil can, Kenny can, Lee, any one of us in this room because of Jesus. None of us are worthy on our own. But in Jesus, we come into the Lord's presence. Does God always answer prayer? Always. Always. You say, well, I, I don't think he's answered all of mine. You, just, you need to understand how he answers prayer. He answers prayer, yes. He's answered many of my prayers over the years, yes. And I knew that I got a yes answer. He answers prayers, no. No. And when God says no, it should be No. There's no power above him, no wisdom above him. And if you go against it, you pay a big price. He answers prayers, wait. How many of you just love that? We just hate to wait, don't we? I mean, I, you know, I, we're so spoiled that I hate to wait on a microwave oven. It just takes too long. But many, many times, God says, wait. Understand, God never, ever gets in a hurry. He sees the whole, your whole life at a glance. He's eternal. And so he says, wait. But there's a fourth way he answers prayers. He says, yes, but I have a better plan. See, see we, we, what we do is we have this plan and ask God to bless it. Instead of trusting God, God answers, but in a much better way than we could have ever dreamed. And listen to me, I don't know about your life, but in my life, many, many times, it's a total surprise. Because God loves to do more for us than we could have ever thought possible that we could ever imagine in a way that we could never think about. And he wants to surprise us with his love 
1 Thessalonians 5.17. In the NIV version, it says, pray continually. In the King James Version, it's pray without ceasing. Those three words will positively and spiritually affect every area of your life. And that's God's plan for us. We're to pray continually. Now, when Paul says this, our first question is, how can anybody do that? I mean, what's up with Paul that he would say, pray continually? We can't live in a prayer meeting. We can't hang out at church 24-7. We have a job. We have to support our families. We are parents. We have all these responsibilities. Praying without ceasing, we can't do that. Well, I believe this word is absolutely true. And if the Bible says to you and to me, pray without ceasing, guess what? We can pray without ceasing. Because I think Paul is talking about an attitude of prayer. When when it says pray without ceasing, pray continually, he's talking about this moment by moment fellowship, this continual intimacy with God. Here's the closest way I can think about it. It's like in the morning, You call God, call out to God, and you put him on speakerphone. And you leave him on there all day till you go to bed at night. And then you tell him good night. You want to live in the attitude of prayer. See, that's a wonderful thing about prayer. If something is, you you need wisdom, you need patience, you need whatever during that day, Aren't you glad you don't have to slam on brakes and run, find a church and get on your knees and get in the right position and say the right words? But you can just talk to him all during the day. And in Bossier City, we have the greatest opportunity to talk to God that we've ever had. It's called Airline and Benton Road. I mean, this week, and I don't understand it. I know the mayor's going to, he's going to help me understand it. But I was having to, uh, to, to come to, to, to the church, and I was on a real tough schedule because I had to go to Monroe. And so I came 220 and Benton Road because that's usually my best opportunity. And it's in, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so it's after any rush hour, and I came off of 220 and it was stopped dead still. And then for 22 minutes, it took me to get, uh, to be honest with you, my plan was, because I had such a little time and I hadn't had anything to eat, I was going over the new bridge and, and I was going to Whataburger. And I had this, this traffic. And then I finally, after 22 minutes, At Whataburger, it was backed up car from the street. They had two lines, two lines, and they had people in the the other line, that created line with people out there just walking up down, taking orders from the car. So I had to ditch that. And so I had a lot of time to pray during those 22 minutes. I want to confess to you that it was only the last two minutes I think I got right with God because the rest of the time I was struggling. Who are these people? Where did they come from? What is wrong? This is our town. 
Prayer is the heart connecting, the heart of man connecting to the heart of God. It is talking honestly and intimately with God. And it is living in an atmosphere of safety and trust. You can tell God anything. You can blurt it out to God. You never give God information. He already knows. And you have that wonderful privilege. Prayer offers pardon for sin. It offers power for our struggles. It offers provision for our needs. There's nothing greater for the Christian. You see, we make a big deal about the external. And we give so much attention to the external of our lives. But my friend, the strongest part of our lives and the best part of who we are is what we are internally in our relationship with the Lord. Despite our flaws and our weaknesses, despite what anybody thinks about us, we have the privilege to stay in constant communication with awesome, almighty God who dwells within us and wants to guide us, to bless us, to use us. So with a deal like that, what could hinder it? I'm glad you asked. Number one, selfishness. Proverbs 21, 13, if a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. If we're selfish, God says, you cried and you're asking me to do something for you and you're selfish and you're not doing anything for anybody else, that hinders your prayer. James says, wrong motives. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. What does that say in the Greek? You ask with the wrong motives. Anybody can understand that. If your motives are wrong, God is not going to answer your prayer. See, God's perfect. God's perfect. He's not going to bless your pride. He's not going to bless wrong motives. He's not going to give you something when your heart is not pure at all. Unconfessed sin. Bible says if you've got sin that's unconfessed, go to the altar and confess your sin. If you're not right with somebody, you've got a relationship that's messed up, go get right, then come back to the altar and talk to God. So unconfessed sin and unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 